Heck, I was not her spiritual advisor. Uh, I was 23, she was 53. I think, if anybody, Mary Lou was my spiritual director. This is Jazz Stories from Jazz at Lincoln Center. I'm Alexa Lim. Duke Ellington described his friend, the pianist and composer Mary Lou Williams, as soul on soul. I've always loved that description, and I've also always just been a little confused on what that phrase means. Ellington may have been alluding to her soulful, bluesy style. From stride to swing to bebop and even avant-garde, she played it all, but her music was always rooted in the deep feeling of the blues. That term could also refer to her spiritual awakening in 1954, when she converted to Catholicism. She would perform the first jazz mass in St. Patrick's Cathedral, produce sacred albums like Black Christ of the Andes in 1964, and set up charities to help struggling musicians. But for her manager, Father Peter O'Brien, soul on soul may refer to the profound friendship he developed with Williams, based on their search for spirituality through music. O'Brien discusses how their inspired pairing came about in this 2005 interview recorded by Simon Rentner and David Gorn. There were two huge influences in my childhood. One would be the church, and the other would be uh, my father forced me to go to dancing school and take accordion lessons. I was a lousy dancer, couldn't play, but there was this yearning uh, for that life. Um, and uh, uh, sort of a natural taking to the life of, of performers. I actually met Mary Lou Williams in the pages of Time magazine. The month of February of 1964, there was a, an article about two women under music, and the uh, first was about Sarah Caldwell. She was called the persistent one, Sarah Caldwell was the um, director and producer of the Boston Opera Company. And the second story was about Mary Lou Williams, and it was called The Prayerful One. And there were two photographs, one of Mary Lou at the piano inside the Oval Bar at the Hickory House on 52nd Street. And the other photograph was Mary Lou at the communion rail of St. Francis Xavier Church in New York, and that was the high school I had gone to six years before that, graduating in 1958. In the meantime, I was in the seminary in Shrub Oak, New York, about an hour or a little more than that north of the city. At the same time, coming down to Fordham every week to get a, a higher degree in English, I wrote her. And um, the fact that it also described that she was a Catholic convert and that she had written this hymn in honor of uh, St. Martin de Porres, and that the lyric was written by a Jesuit priest whom I knew very well when I was in high school. He didn't teach me, but he was a parish priest and um, extremely connected to the arts. He had all kinds of organizations at Xavier on a, had a beautiful theater there with a numbered stage and the Stagehands Union. And um, so I hung around that theater all the time and him. And he had been Mary Lou's spiritual director, baptized her and brought her into the church during the same years I was a high school student, but Mary Lou and I didn't know each other. So this was sort of like, um, I don't know what you would call it, but it was astonishing. Enough for me 
to go AWOL from the seminary and uh, go down to the Hickory House to hear her play. And um, it was sort of an instantaneous, um, very deep friendship immediately, uh, which lasted, you know, the, the rest of her life. And here we are today. That was 41 years ago. And it's still a major, it's not a preoccupation, it's my occupation still, you know, in connection with her music. I mean, that music just poured out of that piano, and I never heard anything like that. She was practically tongue-tied. Uh, she said, are you a priest? We wore Roman collars, even, even as seminarians then. I looked about 18 years old. I said, no, but I will be. She gave me her recording of Mary Lou Williams Presents St. Martin de Porres. She gave me that. I had written asking for that. And she gave me that together with um, a 45 of a couple of, and she said, how'd that get in there? <laughs> I mean, she said very, very, very little. I mean, I, and she gave me a tiny little card with her name on it. But the first couple of years were, were just pure admiration and, and deep friendship. Soul of Christ, be my sanctification. Help, help. Body of Christ, be my salvation. Help, help. Blood of Christ, fill my veins. The first job I negotiated on her behalf was in late 1966. A man named uh, McNasby, Father McNasby, was an editor on the um, Jesuit weekly magazine America at that time, and he wrote about music and the arts. And he was involved in producing a concert at Carnegie Hall called... Um, Praise the Lord in many voices, and he, David Amram, was the most other notable person on it. So Mary Lou was approached through me to do some original compositions, and uh, she appeared on that. That's the first time I, um, we were, I guess, knowing each other for almost two years. Yes, more than two years, because the concert took place in January of 67. A much sharper Mary Lou emerged when I began to... Uh, actually negotiate a contract. I think Mary Lou uh, was constantly searching for meaning or for a way to explain or to understand. And that was a format uh, which uh, she came upon uh, in 1944-45. Mary's just a genius and open to every possible kind of listening, really. She became a high proselytizer on behalf of jazz late in her life. But she listened to Schoenberg. She listened to Alban Berg. Um, she listened to Delius. And I think uh, by osmosis, um, uh, th this thinking... And, and the way she handles subtle um, chords or the way she handles subtle juxtapositions of sound simultaneous. Um, I hate to use these words like postmodern, but there, there are segments that are placed together that are uh, the only parallel person is Ellington in jazz. But Ellington didn't write anything quite like this then. It's not only modern, it's, it, it's not modern against 
what would be happening in the musical world at large, but it brought elements together that were not being brought together in jazz by a jazz composer. Fungus Among Us is one of Mary's first efforts to say something viral or something like that is getting into the music. However, it, it, I don't think she meant it to be a satire. I think she meant it to show how exercises, too much technique, too much non-music, um, what the avant-garde meant in certain cases only, she was worried about lack of feeling in the music, that the, the profound feeling in the music would disappear. Jazz is a thing that feeds love and is healing to the soul. And uh, this other music puts you in a block. I think people would be much more calm than what they are now if, if they heard jazz. If other music makes you nervous. Father Peter O'Brien remembering his friend Mary Lou Williams. Additional interview material came from the high note release A Grand Night for Swinging. For Jazz Stories, I'm Alexa Lim. You can find other jazz stories on our website and on iTunes. Jazz Stories is produced by myself and David Gorin at Murray Street with support from Jazz at Lincoln Center. So consider becoming a member or joining us for a live performance. Find complete information at JALC.com org.